Hello, beautiful tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Uvita. Thousands of years ago, before modern medicine proved scientific evidence for mind and body connection, the sages of India developed Ayurveda, which continues to be one of the most sophisticated, powerful mind and body health systems up to date. And I can begin to tell you, tribe, that it's about putting the power back in your hands. And the company that's helping you do that is Uvita. I've been on Uvita for a couple months now so that I can have a healthy gut and be able to clear my gut and be able to have the best digestive system that I can have. Because healing your gut allows the body to build a stronger immune system and produce the right kind of bacteria that tells your brain that it's okay to feel good. And as, as everyone knows, I'm the shaman who likes to stay lit and make sure the tribe is lit all day long. And so it's important for us to feel good in our bodies. And it's important for us to live a very healthy life. Uvita is a company that is doing that. They are utilizing the knowledge and understanding of Ayurveda in their company, wild harvested and organically grown herbs that they synergistically create in an Ayurvedic way to be able to give you what you need for your body to sustain health, wellness, and vitality. Everything that they have in their company is based in integrity, ethically sourced from natives who practice sustainability. And I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to share this with you and to have them be one of the sponsors for Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Their products offer everything from immunity to healthy joints and to healthy mood and healthy digestion and a healthy body. What more can you ask for from a company that is bringing Ayurvedic understanding to the Western world in a way that is supporting us and lifting us and shifting us into the greater possibilities of who we are? So I welcome you to experience Uvita. You can even contact them by going to their website, which is www.uvita.com. And you make your first order, type in the word shaman, which is their code for the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast tribe. And you will get 35% off on your order for your first order of Uvita. But I'm telling you, the moment you start taking this product, you're going to see dramatic change in your body and the way you feel. And that is the best. And as the tribe knows, I'm all about putting the power back in your hands. So go ahead and check out Uvita and use my code SHAMAN. And until then, live healthy always and every day in your life. Love you. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you how loved you are, let me be the first to tell you, you are loved and I love you. And I'm so happy that you're on this planet because there's so much powerful energy inside of you, so much wisdom, so much information in the nebulous corners of your mind that are now coming out and being present in your life because you are here to make legacy happen. That's right. And you have the skill and you have the ability and you have all that you need right now. All the tools are with you right now to be able to create the life 
that makes you feel so wonderful inside. Wonderful because you get to feel fulfilled and the people around you get to feel fulfilled because when you are honoring your truth and living your truth, well, then you are honoring other people as well. So I am so happy that you're here with us for today's share. And I am so beyond thrilled, beyond thrilled. Like I can't even begin to tell you that I feel like dancing around right now. I'm like jumping up and down because I have the most amazing, powerful, powerful, powerful queen in studio. This powerful woman is like breathtaking because when you hear what she's going to talk about and what we're going to share with you today. So I'm just going to tell you right now, prepare yourselves because I have in studio today, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is here to bring you information. She is a cognitive neuroscientist who is about taking and bringing awareness to you on deeper levels when it comes to mind and mental health. Now, I know there are so many people in the world who have been taught about their brain and information, but this information today is like nothing you've ever heard before because she is talking about switching on your brain. She's talking about think, learn, and succeed by honoring the way in which we use our brain, our conductor, the way we, we, we channel information through our vessel and into this world and how it communicates and how it correlates with every aspect of our being. So, I don't want to hold you back anymore from this amazing experience that you're about to step into. I want to welcome to the studio, Dr. Carolyn Lee. Oh, thank you. I am so honored. After that, um, that wonderful, beautiful introduction, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. It's so exciting. What you're doing and the way you speak, I feel like I'm speaking to someone who speaks my language. You know, it's so exciting. So thank you. You know, first of all, I just want to honor you. And it, the thing is, it is. It's exactly that. It's, it's speaking the language. Yeah. Right. And what is the language? Because if we if we think about it from the perspective of how and what we were taught as in growing up and being on planet Earth, we are told that. The only value of our education and the knowledge of our education is what we can, you know, pass in our tests in school and what, you know, grades we get. But they weren't using all of the facilities and capabilities that our mind is about creating. Exactly. The mind is creating every single moment that we are alive. Moment by moment, we actually creating our next reality. You know, this is so scientific. It's so spiritual. It's so quantum. All the things that you and I have been pre-discussing and, and, and all the things that, that we both, you know, that you're trying to do with your work and so on. We have such an ability to create uniqueness in this world. And, and you know, it's like we've all got these puzzles that we're building and no one can build your puzzle except you. And we're told in this world today that other people, this is how a puzzle's got to look or someone else is going to build your puzzle, you know, trying to fix someone else. Meanwhile, there's so much power in us. And, you know, I, I, what I often do is um, I talk about people's perfect you and your perfect you nature and the perfect you, how we wired for love, how we wired for optimism, how we wired to think, feel and choose in the correct way. And as we think and feel and choose in the correct way, we're creating physical realities in our brain. So we've got this really great mind-brain connection thing going that is in our hands and, in, and, and we have this power to create and there's something you can do that no one else can do. And if you're not doing it, everyone suffers 
because only you can do what you can do. So I try and help people to really see that and realize that and understand the power of the mind. And and it's just so incredibly exciting. Absolutely. And you don't try, you do. That's a, In shamanism, we, we, we're, we're, we're very much into wordsmithing. And the word try... You, do, you don't try. You are doing. You have an amazing, um, best-selling author of the Switch, um, Switch, was it? Switch on Your, on your brain. brain and your new book, which is Think, Learn, Succeed. My love, you're doing it. Oh, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm doing it. Okay, I'll take the, I'm doing it. You know, I, I, know, I love it, it. It must be because of your culture, because a lot of times like in English or South African or like these different cultures, they take a little modest position and so forth. But I'm always like, live your giant out. Absolutely. You know, because you are doing it and, you, and, I, and I'm really honored that you are. Oh, well, thank you. And I love, I love what I do. It's a, it, it makes me come alive. It's the reason... I mean, just it's so true when you see what when you show people the power of the mind and the whole way that this how you can create matter out of your mind and thoughts are real. And I mean, I know your little bit of your story. And you know, as you were telling me your story, it was just making me think, oh my gosh, this is like you doing what I'm showing, trying to help people to understand that they can do and not get caught up in the whole reductionistic, materialistic view and limited view of humanity. When we see the bigness of our spirituality, and the bigness of Godness, loveness, you know, I like to talk about godness and yeah, loveness me, so we yeah. don't bring it into the small little, that we make see this bigness of what we are part of. It's just so incredibly powerful and how, how if we as humanity could operate in our humanity, what would humanity look like? You know, it's like a big statement, but that's inevitably what we designed to do. But as a doctor, haven't you found that, you know, a lot of the mental health, a lot of the problems that we see that's happening on, on a neurological level is not just affected because of people saying, oh, well, I have, you know, I'm bipolar, I'm, I have dementia or I have, you know, ADHD, that a lot of it is because of certain emotional and certain patterns on how they are perceiving their world. Would you say that's true? Absolutely, 100%. Your brain and body will only do what you tell it to do with your mind. So our mind is is reacting 24-7 to the events and circumstances of life, which we can't control. Um, and we also don't realize very often that we can control our reactions. So yes, the traumas of childhood, the things that we go through, the traumas of socioeconomic situations, the traumas of war, the traumas of bullying, car accident, whatever it may be that one is going through, which is part of the human condition, it's part of life. you processing that and that's becoming part of you on two levels, on a spiritual level and on a physical level. So we build it into a physical structure in our brain, which is a physical kind of component and that's connected to the, the non-physical spiritual part of us. And if it's traumatic and we don't deal with it, process it, it's going to be there inside of our brain and our mind and it's influencing, it becomes part of the whole worldview and how we perceive life. So it becomes part of the perceptions, as you said, and that's how we view the situations and they become triggers. So it's vital that we actually process and deal with our stuff. So that is how the world was perceived for many years and you, you know the history of science and 350 years ago with Newton's laws and Newton's discoveries, classical physics was born Yes, and that brought in a materialistic reductionistic approach to mankind and that changed or uh, uh, started shifting the view of seeing the spiritual nature of man which is 
what we paid attention to prior to that. And this peaked around 50 years ago, as you know, I'm sure, that around 50 years ago where the focus became all about the medical world collateral, um, sort of Coraling, it's a great word to use, coraling the mind into the same biomedical model, yes. which then results in labels which are symptoms, which are, it's a whole tautology that's going on because we have people that are experiencing trauma and then they're told that they have a disease, but it's not a disease. So we told because of this new language, because of psychiatry and trying to establish themselves as a real doctor, um, because of a lot of political, socioeconomic, um, money, money things in the pharmaceutical industry, etc., because of a lot of reasons, but predominantly dominated by a view that we are materialistic, reductionistic robots, we are our brain, we don't have free will, etc., so if something, if you're feeling sad, well, you've got a broken brain. You've got um, your, you've got a neurobiological problem. You mm-hmm. have clinical depression when there's no scientific basis. But that's grown so much that people have got. Um, it's almost been a sort of propaganda campaign. It is a propaganda campaign. To- total, and people now see those labels as these big scary things. So there's fear mongering that's come in, and when you have fear, you have all the wrong energy, and you start drawing on that, and then basically people absorb that into their system. So now they think, okay, well, I'm a label. And what we have is not the rise of mental health. We, we do not have an increase in mental ill health, which is what we're told. We have an increase in the mismanagement of mental health, which has led to a whole new problem. And what we're seeing in society today with this over-labeling, over-medicating people, that, and no improvement, it's just got worse in the last 50 years since we <laughs> yeah, shifted. Sure has. Is we're seeing broken people that are more broken, that are not dealing with their stuff from childhood or trauma or whatever, and they're getting it drugged. So the, the brain is being disabled, your spirit is being disconnected from the physical part of you. So when that happens, you are not having your story validated, you're not having your people are not you or don't count anymore your story your context your life doesn't count you're just simply a set of symptoms that needs a label that needs a drug and that drug in itself is disabling the brain it's not restoring a chemical imbalance that's a complete myth it's not doing what they're telling us is doing it's creating a new problem so we have to come back to the fact that we as humans go through life we suffer it's part of our story We need to process that suffering. We need to respect and honor that suffering. And we need to reconceptualize. And that's kind of what my work has been, is to help people not to suppress, but to deal, not to get stuck in dealing either, but to move forward in a very practical way with their life and embrace that suffering as part of their story, as opposed to letting the suffering control them. I I love that. And, you know, it's so true because, you know, for me, the model that I look at is um, the religious model that that do the content. To the through the through the contextualizing of of creation, omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient, right? And so when I when you when you're taught in religion by and I have a lot of friends who are religious, and I tell them, don't you question any of this information that you have? And they're like, we're not allowed to question. I go, do you know why you're not allowed to question? Because if you were to take science and push it up against religion, the first thing science would do is find certain words that actually correlate to mathematical principles, such as omniscience omnipotent and omnipresent. Omnipresent means in all things. Omnipotent means uh, like all empowering. And and um, and, um, and omniscience means through through everywhere, through every exactly. possible possible place. Well, if you take the word omni 
and you move it into a mathematical principle that we can understand in science, mm -hmm. it means quantum. Exactly. So if you take a quantum energy and match it up to some of the ways that God is described, such mm -hmm. as getting angry or getting jealous, mm -hmm. but getting jealous comes from the idea of missing something. So that's a subtraction. Exactly. And then getting angry is the idea of taking something on. So that's an addition. So those two energies don't connect to quantum theory. So therefore, what happens? You can't come to, you can't, you can't find any type of solution. There is no mm. denominator that makes sense. Exactly. So what happens is you're stuck. Well, common sense teaches you that if you can't find the, the, the conclusion to a situation, then that means that some part of that examination is off. So then what's off? Mm -hmm. The off idea is that God could be omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient, mm -hmm. and also be deducted to the idea of having fear and anger as a resounding emotional response, which means that we have nothing to evolve into. Exactly. So then we, and if we are, and it says also in the Bible, if we are made in the image of, mm -hmm. so if we are in the image of God and God gets angry and gets jealous, but is omnipresent and omnipotent, then we would be afraid of our own creator. And if we're afraid of our own creator, then we're afraid of ourselves. ourselves. Brilliant. That's such a brilliant deduction. Now I'll tell you something interesting is that I've grown up in the, in the, Catholic Church and in the very got very involved in the very fundamentally evangelical movement for a while, I learned a lot of lessons that are things that exactly what you're saying, how you can see things from the wrong perspective. And um, I still teach in churches, but I'm not um, stuck in that little bubble, which I was for a while. And I've seen it from so many angles. And I'm very glad that I've had that experience because I can see through the eyes of what they're seeing. And it's in when I was caught up in the midst of that, what I saw was blindness. Um, like a sort of a, a limited intelligence. It's a limit. He, if God is this God that creates everything, He's pretty dumb and so and pretty mean and pretty awful. If you consider the beauty of this world and the complexity of humanity and the complexity of just a drop of water, it's too much to try and explain in these simple reductionistic rules. So there's all the laws that come in. You know, and if you go back to all the ancient texts and things, you see that's not really what Jesus said. You know, Jesus was speaking love. Jesus was love. So we have that. That's why I now I still teach in churches. And <laughs> I love I, it, exactly. And I talk about loveness and I talk about godness. And I tell people, how can you say daddy, God, and all that stuff? I said, you are taking something that's so big, that's so enormous, and you're putting it in a little box and you're making it fit your, your perception. And yes, you are enormous, but you're limiting yourself as well. And then I, I love what you said about the mathematical stuff. I don't know if you follow Sir Roger Penrose. No. Who is one of the greatest mathematicians of the century. He's actually at Oxford and he's won Nobel Prizes. I mean, he's brilliant. And he's actually done the um, quantum calculations and mathematical calculations. And you'll love this. Showing that we live immersed in the ethics of love. So on a quantum level, as you know, like we cells, we can see each other. I mean, we physical, the macro to micro yes, to cells. Yes, micro to, to micro. Mm -hmm. so, so then you go subatomic, you go to, eventually you get to waves because we know that on the subatomic level the frequency are, waves the and frequency elocution waves, waves. exactly mm -hmm. so they can operate as particles and waves and so we what they what quantum as you know what quantum physics shows us, I mean I'm telling what you know so I'm just telling it from my angle yeah yes of course so everyone so, in the tribe can listen so simple a simple way of understanding this and bringing this back to to showing us that we're all talking about the same thing with different language you know when it talks when religion and that kind of thing we literally are made of love waves and I love the fact that Sir Roger Penrose and uh, Professor Keith Ward and, and, and um, uh, Professor Professor Hammerhoff here in Arizona, there's a whole group of scientists that are 
outstandingly brilliant. And they are showing that we as humanity are made of love waves. We literally are waves of love and we immersed in love. There's the mathematical and quantum calculations showing the beauty of it. And that takes us right back to Aristotle, who talks about Aristotelian potentia, where we have this potential within us to access this godness. So if we made in God's image, then that means that at our core we are perfect. But we have this, um, when we talk about uh, made in God's image, when you talk about loveness, when we talk about perfection, we are talking about the ability to choose and the potential to choose mm-hmm. incorrectly. So you can't talk about love without talking about evil. If I hate using the word evil, but I mean for want of a word that's common denominator to all of us, you it, it, the love necessitates free will, which means you can make the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's all potential. So we are these incredibly powerful beings that have the ability to create quantum physics shows this causality. It shows how we are the pinnacle religion words, pinnacle of God's creation. And quantum physics cannot exist without humanity's ability to think, feel, and choose. And as we think, feel, and choose, there's a causal effect in the brain So, in, and in the physical world. And every thought that we build is a physical structure that comes alive for eternity. So if it's a toxic one, you're pouring toxic energy on top of the love energy. And that's what we feel when you walk in a room, when you walk into an environment, when you connect with a person who's got that toxic energy pouring out of you. Einstein discovered this as well. We, we are emitting energy. This is not anything weird. This is science, spirituality, all blended as one thing. So when we talk about loveness and godness and Sir Roger Penrose's work, he's talk, he's, he, he explains beautifully how we as humans with this potential, this love potential, can take this ability to sing, feel, and choose in our love zone, wide for love zone, whatever I love to say, and then we can step in. We have to choose to step in. It's our responsibility to choose to step into the potential and then activate that potential. I often tell people when I'm trying to teach this is, you don't get a baked cake. You have to actually bake the cake. You know, life's not just a bunch of baked cakes. Or like Christianity teaches, you know, come to God and everything's going to be fine. Or you find Jesus and everything's fine. And I call that entitlement. Entitlement, exactly. And it's an insurance policy and it's a magic potion scriptures. And Someone's going to fix God's it for a, you. God's a genie. And, but you have, a, if, you, if you actually read the Bible and you read any ancient text, there's a huge amount of responsibility that we have as humans to think, feel, choose and activate this Aristotelian potential in us, step into these, this environment all around us, the gravitational fields, yes. the Nobel Prize winning work on the gravitational fields. Those fields, quantum physics shows, are literal love waves, but they're potential. So as we think, feel, and choose, we are accessing the wisdom of the ancients, which is one way of saying it. We're accessing God's wisdom, another way of saying it. We're accessing the waves of love energy in the quantum fields, another way of saying it. It's all the same thing, but we as humans are doing that with every choice we make, every moment of the day. And it's not just impacting us, spirit, soul, and body, our physical brain, etc. It's impacting generations to come, you know, the whole science of epigenetics and so Absolutely. on. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I try and teach in simple terms in in my books and, and working with trauma, I did a lot of work in South Africa was in the apartheid era and post-apartheid over the time when Nelson Mandela was released and became president. And so the years preceding and the years post, I was very involved. That was my first early years of my career. So I used to spend up to three days a week working in those really bad parts of South Africa and the Eastern Cape and 
horrific. Well, there was tons of conflict. I mean, there was conflict with the whole um, rising into presidential um, position, you know, and a lot of people were in an uproar because, I mean, they were feeling betrayed and feeling let down and feeling, you know, yeah, I mean, I follow a lot of that. You, and you know, and I mean, your work with working with war-torn countries and conflict, you're very aware of that concept. And it was really bad. And so we went into areas, myself and my husband used to build houses for people that had been, you know, previously just disadvantaged. And I would go in and, and I would go into the schools and I would, we would use those as environments to teach. And then we would have like, they would, we would fill thousands, thousands of the whole, as many people as could come. It was, you know, the teachers and school kids, but we would have the whole community coming. And what I was pretty much teaching is the concepts of how your mind is powerful and how, despite the circumstances, there's this resilience in you. This is how you can manage your mind. This is how you can learn and build your brain and, you know, learn how to get educated and how to forgive and operate in love and all that. All, all that's a very practical, not just, um, how to love, that was a huge part of it, but also how to manage the pain, deal with the trauma so that you can move forward or the trauma will lock you in. I did work in Rwanda as well after the genocide, working in those. So I'm very aware of that pain, but saw the resilience. Unbelievable. You know, what encouraged me to carry on doing the work that I'm doing wasn't my, well, my private practice did play a massive role because I worked with very, very difficult cases and I took them on on purpose. But a large part of my motivation was because of what I saw happening in like in Rwanda and in South Africa. And I would sit with a thousand people. We would have, they were, they were, most of them were starving, raped, beaten. Every single person had a story that would break your heart. Mm-hmm. One day, one young girl came into one of those environments and, and this is a story that I love to tell because she was bleeding and they thought it was her menstrual cycle. They pulled her aside and tried to take her out the room and whatever. But she had just been raped on the way to coming to hear my session. And she was not going to miss it because I was very well known. I used to drive, I could drive through nine months pregnant. Everyone else was getting murdered in white in those areas. But I could drive through those areas because I was so, they protect me. I was, could go anywhere on my own as a woman, nine months pregnant, and no one would touch me. And because people knew it was a message of hope and a message of, of humanity, a basic, basic, basic message. You know, this young girl actually had been raped and she was not going to miss the session. So we literally wrapped her in a blanket and she sat at my feet. That was one of the most, humbling experiences that I have ever experienced. When I saw that that drive, that passion, that desire, that hunger to recognize the power of your mind, it transformed me. It changed me and I can tell you a million other stories along those lines. But that showed me the resilience that we have. It showed me the power of love, a power of community. Mm-hmm. These people were broken. They had nothing. But they can teach us more about community than the wealthy Western nations of the world that have everything that have now become so individualistic that in the United States of America, our, our youth are the loneliest in the world. That we have an epidemic of people dying from loneliness that's killing more people than any disease known to mankind. So here for all the so-called Western logic, which has got brilliance to it. But if you take Western logic, and I say Western because it's very much dominated from the United States, and you take it out of the spiritual nature of what that logic is supposed to be housed within, you've distorted a principle. You cannot look at physical things, and Newton said this, he said, if someone takes these laws and thinks this is it, we will have a problem. And that's exactly what classical physics did. It took those laws, took out the spiritual nature, 
say um, Newton himself was a, was a believer in God, and he believed that Godness broke rules; that these rules were just ways of us understanding our humanity, but they're not the be all and the end all. So as soon as you make something that's actually only one percent of who we are, the physical is only one percent, the spiritual is ninety nine. As soon as you put the spiritual aside and you focus on one, you will have an imbalance, and that imbalance will come out in distorted perceptions and broken lives and war and so we have to change that from inside out we have to change people's mindsets south africa very often like just recently the gov- uh, people in government approached me again because i did a lot of work there and said will you come back and work with our schools and i said there's one condition that i'll do it under and that's that it becomes a nationwide thing that we change this through media i said i'm not going to go and start working from the grounds up with schools again no i said this time i come in i work through media we change the nation's perception of how we're going to heal how we're going to think and and africa's a place that's very open to that kind of thing that kind of thinking and then from there when you transform a society's thinking you can then deal with education deal with the mental health deal with the the issues the wars the isms and all that kind of stuff so i know it's a big thing but i believe in it because i I, you seeing it i've seen transformation i've seen too much transformation Mm -hmm. in 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 my life's work which has been 30 years to know that it can't be done you know, I mean, I know it can be done. So yeah, 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 I know what you mean. So the way around there. No, it's fine. I mean, the thing is, you know, and I and I love everything that you said, and you, that's why I'm so happy to have you here in today's share. Because if we we you know when I when I look at things from a shamanic perspective, we look at the understanding of the basis of humanity. I always tell people all the time, we're created by love, made by love for the sake of love, right? And that the frequency of love, which is the core energy frequency, which holds its own which holds its own field, meaning that it sustains itself. So all so for me, all chaos is basically each person operating out of their own frequency, going into someone else's frequency oh, because brilliant. they're in threat, because they're afraid, or because they don't understand the frequency. But they're not meant to understand the frequency. Exactly. They're meant mm-hmm. to stay in their frequency. And walk alongside. And walk alongside. Mm. Exactly. And so the core energy is, I call it the bleeding effect. It's the idea that each person, because of their, in, they're, they're not stable or held um, in within their own frequency, that they bleed over to someone else's frequency because they're not stable on their own and then feel threatened because they're bleeding over. The threat comes in because they don't even realize that the the idea of bleeding over into someone else's frequency makes them uh, feel threatened. So then the aggression and reaction of that is what you see in today. So today we're dealing with symptoms. We're not dealing with the core. And that's the reason why we're not getting where we need to go because the symptom is still the same. The symptom is that we keep focusing on like, hey, women issues, racism, this thing, that thing. They're all symptoms. They're all compartmentalized different energies that are being generated by one core. Exactly. And that core is why do we think it's okay to hurt another human being because we are unable to accept our own frequency and stay within our own circle. So brilliant. So brilliant. I have a book called The Perfect You. And in that book, I go into the philosophy and science of kind of what you've said and how we we if we understood how powerful our wired for love concept is our, our unique nature our core like you've said that frequency which is wave energy which is so quantum physics so spiritual so scientific one and the same thing literally just two sides of the coin one telling the story one showing how the story works that's kind of how it explains spirituality and science when we stay in that perfect you nature we are literally 
are, are going to start seeing the love in others and the perfection in others. So the jealousy, the envy, the court, those. So when you talk about the bleeding over, Christopher Fuchs, I don't know if you've read any of his work. No. He's a great quantum physicist, but he's very spiritual in his quantum physics. So, and he's very scientific. He's written, he's going to be one of those people one day like Einstein or one of these people that has, you know, he's written all these incredible letters about, um, they call it him, they call it his letters and all these Oxford dons, they, they, everyone reads and consumes his stuff and eventually, you know, they'll be put together in these huge volumes and tomes of wisdom and he essentially just shows the, the, kind of things that we're discussing and he shows he shows the the um he like he says quantum physics is a, th- a science of thought mm-hmm. and he talks about and when you said bleeding over what really reminded me of some of his work was he talks about how we've each got our own you know our own frequency our own waves our own love waves and that we're not meant to you know when you when you try and be someone else it's that bleeding effect that you spoke about you kind of crash into someone else and instead of lifting each other there's that you know the waves can kind of knock each other out as opposed to building on each other so the waves are designed like a wave in the sea waves are designed to build and enhance so when we build and enhance each other and encourage etc we're doing that but when we try and be someone else then we the wave flattens as soon as the wave flattens and there's weakness in the environment and in us as humans. We open up, literally open up the door. We, we've taken a shield of protection away. So then the evil that's in the world from other people's choices, because evil is created by man, because we make wrong choices and we're pouring all that toxic energy into what we say and do and back into the, because it's all energy coming out of your mouth. Then that damaging energies are out there. And if you're not watching yourself, you're going to get absorbed into an environment. And I saw this in my own life, in the evangelical movement, in the very fundamental, there were certain belief systems that were so contrary to what I believed growing up as a young woman, and that I got caught in, in a, for a season in my life, and I was judgmental about things, and it was, didn't make any sense, even when I was doing it as a scientist, it didn't make sense, so there was conflict within me, but I was in a toxic environment that was supposed to be a loving environment, mm-hmm. that, the objective was love, but I was a, I became vulnerable and kind of that bled into, and I had to wake up. And you know who woke me up? My children. That's my children who are brought up to be activists, to be thinkers, to challenge authority if authority doesn't deserve to be honored. And you don't have to just honor someone because they're old you or older than you. They, you honor a person for whatever age they are, for who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. They challenged me to relook at how I thought and was seeing things and the illogic of it. And that was what transformed, was a massive transformation in my life in terms of understanding all the science. Like my son, I remember my son one day saying to me, not only my son, actually all of them said, how can you be a scientist and not see what's wrong in certain belief systems that are, and we see this so rife in our country at the moment with, you know, what's going on in government and so on. And how can you not see that this is wrong? And, you know, when you, and, and, I, and I knew it, but how we can let that bleeding affect us and how you don't feel happy. I realized I didn't like anything to do with God, but I was pretending because I was so scared because if you don't, you're going to hell. hell. And so many people live like that. I have a question for you in that. Um, because my theory um, that I've developed is that the idea of 
why that would happen was because you were holding a masculine polarity of what you thought you had to be in order to be you. So you are canceling out the feminine polarity. It is able to see the understanding of the depth of why something is. Like for instance, masculine polarity is about fixing things or seeing that there is a, in a you know, like this has to be fixed, this has to be fixed, this has to be fixed, something's wrong with it. Whereas the feminine polarity is more on the idea of how is there harmony? How is there balance? How does it, so that's how you know when something's out of alignment when you operate from the feminine because you can see when it's out of alignment of love. So when it's out of alignment of love, you don't go at it from a, let me attack it. You go, oh, it's out of alignment for love. So let me use love to put it back into alignment. Oh my gosh, you, you, it's just unreal what you've just said. It's like I write that in my books and you said it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that is exactly, because if you're out of alignment with love, you create this equilibrium. And we see that from neuroscience and from in, in, in the cells that your, you know, your chemical, your chemical imbalance goes, your, you know, your whole stress system will work against you instead of for you. Certain gene codes in your hippocampus won't activate that increase your resilience, so your resilience drops. So there's this massive reaction in our physical body when we're out of alignment, which then creates discomfort zones in our physical body. And then we get symptoms in our physical body and in our mind, like anxiety, depression, psychotic breaks, all these scary words that aren't, that are just descriptions. They just, they're That's not, all it is, they're exactly. Not, they're not it's. They're descriptions, but they're representing an imbalance, like you've just said, of this alignment and how you've, and I love how you described that, that, you know, that, that sort of how we can lean towards the wrong polarity, that this is, you know, the, that this is how it should be and you try and align with that, but it's out of balance. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting too, because we were talking earlier about how, you know, it's everything is about this decision, this choice, this ability to have possibility, right? And in shamanism, we have the understanding of yes and no. It's the, it's the consciousness that spirit is always reflecting back to you information and energy, but you don't have to accept the energy. And so it's interesting because in, if we look at our computers, we look at technology, right? Technology is built in a way where if there's a program or something you don't like, you can just click up to the left corner, find the delete box, delete it, put it in the trash, and it's gone, yeah. right? And it's that quick. But then as I was explaining to a student of mine, I was like, we have the same ability to do the same thing. The only difference is we don't believe we have the ability to delete files and be done with it. We have, we have this belief that because we went through something, we hold an attachment of investment to the pain, an attachment and investment to the trauma, to the situation. So the deleting aspect of it doesn't happen where it's deleted and it's gone and it never comes back up again. It can't be gone. It comes back up again because we're still attached to it from the level of how much energy we've invested into it. And that's where the ego gets involved. Because in shamanism, we look at the idea that if someone that is holding on to pain, we call them hurt collectors. They go around collecting hurt because they use that hurt as fuel for power. And so it gives them power to, you know, to, let's say, act out. It gives them power to, you know, to, to smoke or to become an alcoholic or to drink. They are getting power from these things because they feel on some level power is being taken from them that they can't control. And so the aspect of not being able to control those um 
places where power is being taken from them, they utilize it by creating more of the same emotional energy or struggle or pain or or the consistency of pain in their life, which actually creates an imbalance in both their neurological system, um, their endocrine system, their their systemic system. And that then relates to a lot of reason why people get sick. They have disease because their stress markers are um, building inside of their system. So when we look at it shamanically, we look at, oh, the reason why they're they're having this health problem or the reason why they're having this mental problem is because they're having a neurological imbalance that is being created by the way in which they're creating. So what it's showing them is that if you're having these problems, that means you're not cre- using your power to create or destroy, which is what we're talking about, that yeah. choice, mm-hmm. right? In a way that is actually making your body, your emotions, your mind, and your spirit feel safe. Exactly. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And that's so scientific. And we see this in neuroscience, psychoneuroimmunology, quantum physics. I mean, it's in every, and every, pretty much every, every medical discipline when it deals with how the body functions and then the whole mind brain thing. So it's totally what you've described as the whole mind brain thing. So if I just translate what you've said into a bit of science, if Mm -hmm, I may. Absolutely. So here we, thinking, feeling, and choosing. We design to think, feel, and choose in our perfect image, made in God's image, love, really, which means we can make good decisions. So that's at our core. And we see this scientifically. And we see that we're 99% spiritual, which is this ability to think, feel, and choose, this stuff that's almost intangible, but it's actually, it's it's the spiritual part of us, this quantum energy part of us. Then we have this physical brain in our body and the spirit's working through that. So here we think, feel, and choose. It's working through the physical brain and the brain responds chemically, electrically, chemically, um, electromagnetically. So then that response, which is what we pick up on brain technology and, and things, that response shows that, that the brain is responding to your unique mind. We see that even the way your proteins vibrate are unique to each human. So the law of the brain is diversity. There is no normal brain per se. So we can't look for a specific brain pattern, which <laughs> exactly. is what the research is trying to do, that this is a normal brain. And therefore, when you diversify from that, you've got a mental ill health problem, which, you know, that's where they're trying to take this. You can't because you're, you're unique, your brain's unique, your story's unique, your, your quantum energy is unique, your proteins vibrate uniquely. So you thinking, feeling, choosing, you're pushing this energy through your brain. Your brain is responding electrically, chemically, etc. by genetic switches switching on. So your genome responds. Your genome's in every cell of your body. You have 75 to 100 trillion cells in your brain and your body. Every cell responds to every thought instantaneously, which are speeds that are beyond space and time. This is why pure electromagnetics of the firing of the neurons is way too slow to explain the speed of thought and how thought is actually epigenetically keeping every cell of our body alive. So we've got this energy coming in, we've got this incredibly fast response, and then the genome is responding, so we've got this external force, which is our thinking, feeling, and choosing, causing the genes to switch on. When genes switch on, like light switch on and you get light, when genes switch on, you make stuff. You switch on something and you switch on and you create amino acids, which make proteins, which make whatever your body needs to keep alive. This is happening 24-7. So our thinking, feeling, and choosing, our spiritual 99% nature, and I've actually got images of my theory, which I call the geodesic information processing theory, which is a mouthful, but it shows this whole mind-body connection on a very scientific level. So it's spiritual on a very scientific level. Anyway, this thinking, feeling, choosing generates this energy. These genetic switches switch on. We make proteins. The proteins make what our body needs to keep alive, and it builds thoughts. So some proteins are being 
creating the enzymes you need and whatever the rest of it, but a whole lot of them are also grouping into little trees and growing little branches on top of the neurons called dendrites and holding those information in these quantum patterns and in these little minute quantum neurobiological computers. So we have a whole study now, Roger Penrose and Ham Hoff and um, Bundy, Bundy Opadi, I'm not sure if you've heard of any mm-hmm. of these people, mm-hmm. are doing phenomenal work showing how within the microtubules, which are these tiny little structures inside the, the neurons of the brain, are made up of these little proteins called tubulin, and that, that tubulin acts like a quantum neurobiological computer. And in one neuron, and you've got 100 billion, you have billions of these little computers. And as you're thinking, feeling, and choosing, as you're switching on the genetic expression, you're growing these computers. And those computers are, in, uh, through quantum nature, holding this information. And at the same time, that energy that's that's been created from in the dendrites in these little computers, which you have billions and billions and billions and billions, are then controlling cell division, which is happening all the time. So, and, and that contains, so your whole genome is reproducing constantly, driven by your thought life. So, this is where the mind-body link comes in. This is where the causality of thought comes in. This is where, so we take that toxic thought, you take that toxic experience, which is the symptoms that you're talking about where people are, you know, race, whatever, etc. And that is now built into our brain as this physical protein structure and it's also in your mind so you've got it in duplicate in your mind is this powerful thing and then you've got the physical structure in your brain so when we go and get more energy from you know for the gather hurt i love the way you explained that what we're doing is we're thinking about this pain so whatever you think about the most will grow and whatever's growing is getting more energy so when you choose to focus on the toxic you're growing the toxic but your brain can't handle it, nor can your body. So your brain and your body break down. So we see 75 to 98% of physical illnesses and, uh, which, which, and also the mind symptoms are coming from our thought life. So we see a direct relationship where we need to take responsibility for our thought life. So when we gather those hurts, we're adding more toxic branches, we're growing more computers, but they distort it and they break up. So the little centrioles which happen to pull apart in cell division, if you remember back at school, all that, that which is controlling everything about the genome, those things are falling apart. So now we have the potential for Alzheimer's, we have the potential for, the, we see these neurological symptoms manifesting. It's not the neurological symptoms that are causing the mind problems, it is our mind problems that are causing the neurological symptoms. And that's exactly what I talk about all the time to people in shamanism. And it's so funny because the language that you speak and the language that I speak, it's different, but it's the same. It's parallel. It's, it's parallel. Actually, yeah. And it's also what they speak in Christianity, but they're not actually yeah, they're not in actually. any religion, but they're just not really understanding the depth of our... Well, because they're focusing on other stories from the, from the Bible. They're not focusing on Jesus' teachings. The love. Yeah, yeah because exactly. Jesus, was, see, Jesus was aware of one's consciousness and then spoke with his own consciousness to give him the understanding of the Christ. And exactly. the Christ was the illuminating gate of consciousness, which allowed him to be aware that his consciousness was alive and that he and was alive and that was connected the to the superior. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, so it's not just this personhood, it is the connection. It's right, the and that's to the, the embodiment of when people talk about God as Jesus. Yes, when he was opened up to that level of consciousness, he became the embodiment of Brilliant. God in full access of love. Exactly. So instead of seeing it, this person that you've got to follow Jesus is the only way, it's not the person of Jesus, it is what he represented in terms of accessing Godness, which is loveness. 
Woo! Which is the call which yes. we're talking about. Yes. So I have some questions so, for you. Okay. Because now, because I have you here and I feel so excited to have you here. So okay. I'm going to tell you some things shamanically and you tell me what your thoughts are about it. Okay. okay. So in shamanism, we have this belief that darkness exists as a consciousness that is a construct that is based on the idea that it can't be held within the field of love. So it, because we have a quantum universe, it exists. And that darkness, we see it as like a way station for spirits who can't accept love. They don't, there's no place for them to go in the realm of light. So they go to this realm of darkness and they play out their frequency there. And do that frequency, they need a host and we're the host. That's where we came to earth. And that that frequency comes through our consciousness. They speak through us. So every negative thought that goes through our head is those spirits in the underworld telling their story through us. But because we don't know how things operate quantum we think it's our own voice talking to us. And so in shamanism, what we do is we get people to engage with that voice from a place of love. We call responsibility the engagement of love, right? To show up with love, to respond with love. That's what we call true responsibility. So instead of responding to that negative voice and reacting to it and saying, this is me, and then taking it on into your whole entire embodiment, we say, "See, um, hear the voice and then interact with it by saying, I love you. I, so this is, um, you know that you're, you're pure love. Uh, what is it that you need right now? Um, because I know you're not me. So do you need me to take you home to the light? So we, we see the light as the aspect of consciousness of pure love. And so we bring that frequency into that place of pure love. And then that person is, is released from that energy. So a lot of times when when people come to me, they have like a negative voice go inside. And I say, well, talk to that negative voice and say, um, I'm here to help you to the light. I'm here to love you, but I know you're not me. What does it say? And it, it says, and people will usually respond, oh my God, I can't believe it's talking back to me. And I said, yes, because you're engaging it. And so a lot of times in shamans, what we do is we engage frequency. We engage frequency with the trees, with the wind, with the sun. We engage frequencies with animals. We engage frequency with ourselves, with our body. Everything is talking and communicating consciousness. And so what we do is engage that consciousness, find out its information, its data, what, how it operates, how it, how, it, you know, how it correlates with everything else. And then we come to an understanding of how we can support it in the most loving way. So... What is your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, it's like spot on scientifically. And it's spot on with what I'm actually being, what I teach and what I've taught my patients to do. And even on, on, on the side with my patients who've had traumatic brain injury, for example, or learning disabilities, because there's always the emotional component and then there's the, the actual knowledge component or cognitive component. So totally, it's, it's spot on with all of that. So the way I to translate that into the language of, of science or the language of psychology or the language of what quantum physics, et cetera, is you've got, I always, when I teach, I always have a toxic tree on one side. It's just like wire little tree and I have a green tree and I say that's the love zone and that's always on the left left is the love zone doesn't really matter why just kind <laughs> yeah, of a yeah. habit love zone and then the fear zone is the toxic tree and we are you can't they can't coexist so the one and, and love is the powerful one the love is the normal design of the spiritual nature the physical and there's a whole lot of science showing that physically we are wired for love or optimism bias our cells can't handle any kind of destructive energy that's right they break down blah 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 so if we take away even the word energy we see that if you epigenetically if you hit the you know 
the methylation and acetylation, which is what happens on the epigenetic switches. If it gets hit in the wrong way, they break down. You're going to get the wrong switching. Things switch off when they should switch on, and we get a breakdown in our bodies, and you get sick. You get inflammation. You get vulnerability to whatever viruses are in the air, et cetera, et cetera. So that's very real. This is not anything – what you're saying is extremely scientific. So when we – then the, I mean, the Bible even talks about perfect love casts out fear. What's common denominator to mankind is the concept of we all know what love is. We all know what it feels like. And we all know we can distort that. And we can, so I talk about addictions in terms of being consumed by. So we consume by love because we're wired for love. So therefore, when we make the wrong decisions, we definitely open ourselves up to being vulnerable to more wrong decisions. So the Christians would talk about that is that they love to blame the devil for everything. The <laughs> devil makes me do this, this, this. And I always tell them in church, stop blaming the devil. I thought you believed he was defeated. Why are you personalizing and giving energy to evil? You know, you, and so in other words, in the environments that we live, we have the normal design of Sir Roger Penrose says we immersed in these gravitational fields. Also, there's no present, past, and future in quantum, the quantum world. It's alwaysness. So you have your re retroactive causation concept, which I'm sure you're aware of, where the past, where the past can influence, the future can influence the past. So in the quantum spiritual world, you've got this constant dynamic of the ancient in the now and the now in the ancient. You know, so it's all, and that, that, so that ancient, you know, so the word ancient, a lot of scientists will get all worked up and Christians will get all worked up. So I will use things like when you pray, there's a scripture, Hebrews 11, 1, which says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's showing us that things exist that you haven't yet seen. So that means that the future already exists in the past and, you know, ancient wisdom exists. So there's, I can take the language of, I can take Christian scriptures, I can take you're what you saying, you I can take science. You just make me so happy. I'm a happy guy. I'm, I'm happy too because we're talking the same thing. Because <laughs> so, this is so amazing what you just said because I teach people that in the way they manifest. Because most people manifest in the idea of the future, but they don't understand that true manifestation comes from the idea of the, the past. past. Totally. So you can't say, I'm going to create this. It's, I love how amazing that was when I did blah, 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 blah. Then all of a sudden it speeds up and goes right to your moment of your next experience exactly, of your next now. Exactly, because that's the, that, that, yeah, it's the past reach. And they've shown that quantum, with the quantum physics, with the quantum entanglement, they've shown that there's no space-time dimension. Yes, yes. You know, and that's where forgiveness becomes vital because you're entangled. So no, exactly. Oh my God. Who are you? <laughs> this is exactly what I talk about. I tell people there's no such thing as forgiveness. There's only acceptance. Yeah. Because if you forgive, you're in quantum entanglement. You're stuck in purgatory. You're held in a field of one is right and one is wrong and held in a field where you're completely lost. So it's locked. a release. We have to release we people. We have to release. So it's a completely cleansing. It's a com it's grace. It's really what the concept of grace is. Otherwise, I you swear stay to God, stuck. You're my, you are, you are my soul family. <laughs> But it's so exciting. I mean, I've taken this stuff and I put it into five steps. And I started 30 years ago using it to help kids and adults who had brain damage and comas, coming out of comas, trying to reintegrate back, trying to get their mind back. So I developed, I studied how the brain builds thoughts. This whole concept, I mean, not the brain doesn't build thoughts, how the mind builds thoughts in the brain. I said that the wrong way around. How the brain responds. And it's complex, as we know. So I simplified it because you can't go and tell someone who's in a state of trauma, who's got severe learning disability or traumatic injury, or who's got early stage Alzheimer's, who's been in, who's been raped. So been a, they don't want to know. They, the science is actually quite helpful, pictures and things, because it shows power. But you can't give too much science to help. So I made this as simple as I could and developed this over the years. And basically, those the five 
five steps sound, sound to me a lot like what you're doing in your process. I just use different language and mm-hmm. I link it into neuroscience and psychoneuroimmunology and all that stuff. And it's basically developing and it's in this book, um, this Think, Learn, Succeed book that we were talking about. And I have an app that we are just about to release where it's all audible so people can go through Yay. the process for seven to 16 minutes a day. This I mean, is it's wonderful. Powerful. And it just basically teaches people to be aware, you know, to be so hot on meditation, which is so important, but you've got to go beyond to create sustainable change. And that takes time. And that's where people aren't in this day and age with technology, the quick fix mentality that has has just um, made things, you know, people don't want to push through. They don't know how to persevere. They want one laying on of hands by the pastor, which drives me nuts. They want a quick tablet from the doctor. They want, hey, you, Shaman Durak, hey, fix me. One session, boom. You know, Dr. Leaf, come. I want one session, fix me. And it doesn't work like that. And we know instinctively it doesn't. And that's where I did the, a, memory, a lot of memory research. There's a ton of stuff on memory in this book too, which you'll enjoy. I have a question about that. Okay. So my whole, my whole theory on the idea, like when I, for instance, when I was in the hospital recovering from dying and, you know, you know, being paralyzed and all this kind of stuff. The, so there were two types of energies in the room. There was one energy that was like, why did you come back? Why don't you leave? No one cares. You're not going to be able to wake up the people to their power. Like I heard the voices and I knew that that was the, the lower density frequencies talking to me and, and, and holding that resonant tone to keep, because in shamanism, we believe that darkness exists only because it needs to in order to keep these beings having a place to go. And so they need to be, their world needs to be fueled. It, and it gets fueled by fear. It gets fueled by reaction. So it needs us to, to misalign our, our love frequency and turn our love frequency into that frequency and feed their world because we're pure light. So when light mm. gets distorted into, when we, when we do things against love, we distort the light and we feed their world. And that's what keeps their world alive. And so in order for us to be able to magnify love into their world, we have to embrace the unknown. So once we embrace the unknown, which is the invisible, we're then able to understand the tangible. And then once we understand the tangible, we're able to walk into the realm of darkness without fear, without being affected, without getting hurt, without anything, and bring our brothers and sisters' frequency back into love. that's, that's so brilliant because what you're doing is you're creating matter out of mind. That's literally what you're doing. You're putting mind over matter. You are creating, you are taking that, that, you're taking that that um, that issue, and you are showing them how that is growing. If it's toxic, how it's growing in the toxicity, because that's where all the energy is, and you're literally removing. So you're breaking that tree. So what? Either way, I explain what you've just explained is I'll show the toxic tree and say, okay, so there is the pain. So now over a series of going through these five steps over 63 days minimum, you can't just do this in five minutes. It takes 21 days to to break down a long-term memory and to build a healthy new replacement memory, to reconceptualize it. And it takes another two cycles of 21 days. This is more or less. This is just the cycles of our physical healing and our mental healing. And so you're going to have to invest at least three months of time daily for about seven to 16 minutes a day to be able to break down the physical remnant because what a lot of people get hooked on and is that that physical remnant becomes if I, if I talk your language now I think I'm speaking it correctly it becomes literally the home of evil and that's so what the Christians talk about too yes. that is you're giving you, you, they'll talk about possession and you're giving access to the enemy and, and it is because you're giving we, we, yeah but they're already doing that when they made the word demon 
Just exactly. they, they put a frequency into a bodysuit, exactly. into a costume. Exactly, which is giving honor where it shouldn't be given. Yes. So it should be more neutralized and not quite so personified and, and deified almost. Yes. You know, we need to do, you know, so, so I explain to people like stop thinking of the sin consciousness and whatever. Be aware that evil exists because where does evil come from? Well, we choose wrong. We pour this toxic energy into the world. We pour it into our brain. We build this distorted tree. This distorted tree becomes the root of what we say and what we do. We add more toxic energy to the world. We think about it more we create this feedback loop and we're impacting generations so that that talks a lie for eternity so you better reconceptualize it so through a process of time you start identifying like a tree's got all the branches which are the associations it's got the trunk which is kind of the main story it's got the roots where did this come from so you've got a process that you work through and it takes time and it takes perseverance and it's hard because it's thoughts, it's language, it's emotions, it's information that we're dealing with. Every tree has got information and emotions because we think, feel, and choose. Those three always go together. You think, feel, choose. I'm going to throw something at you. Go for it. Okay. So I just so you know that I am, um, I have a, uh, an ET side of me uh, <laughs> that's very extraterrestrial. So it has some questions for it to share. Yeah. So it says that there are a lot of the reasons why human beings hold on to things is because they have what is called an over-plasma body, that their body is held within more liquid substance and that the planet is held in more liquid substance. So whenever there is an energy frequency, the water acts as a conductor holding that frequency in alignment. So that's the reason why it takes a certain amount of time for you to be able to process that through your system because you're not just processing it through through your consciousness, you're you're actually processing through it the through, through the physical, yeah. which is the, the plasma aspect or the water aspect of your blood, mm-hmm. your bile, your lymphatic system. All the liquids of your body are holding that frequency within the cell core. So the ET part of me said... The reason why the you know Earth has more water than land is because it's the same thing. The water element acts as a conductor to the electricity, the electromagnetic energy frequency that creates the exchange and communication between cells and between the um, between the cells and the between physical. the physical, yeah. and then allows that to transfer through and then releases as you bring in something new. So the process that people have and why it takes them so long to let go of something is because it's inside of that liquid that's holding all of that together. So consciousness is operating in that field of having to pass through that plasma, which is interesting because we come into the world through the embryonic fluid. Yeah. And when we leave, when I died, when I was 27 years old, I went through liquid to go back to the other side. So it's interesting how the water liquid or the plasma or that 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 embryonic fluid, which is that that water liquid, has a lot to do with how our body, electricity, and how our cells and everything are operating. What's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. So that you, what you've described is is very accurate when it comes to the physical. So every, as you as you said, everything is immersed in liquid. So every, even if you get down inside a structure within a cell and you get into the DNA and you go smaller and smaller and smaller, you will find eventually that you have that energy of, that quantum energy is like liquid. It becomes like a wave. So, these, so that it's describing, so what you've just described is the 1% 
of us which has different aspects to it, the plasma side, the slightly more physical side that actually becomes very much like the plasma, like the liquid, just a different kind of wave form, um, different different frequency. That's why it's like a hard little mitochondria versus the cytoplasm, which is a little bit more jelly-like yes. versus the whatever. So it's all different levels, and but it's the it's, so it's levels of understanding the physical, and that that is what has like. Like a trauma. If you go through a trauma, let's say that you are, this is the easiest way to explain this concept, is let's say you're going through a trauma, you get raped. At that time, you may have had a bit of flu. Your physical feeling of the flu is entrained in every part of your cell as long with the trauma because it's in your genome. So every part of you, every part of the physical has that now, that abnormal frequency. So let's say now you suppress it and then something comes up and triggers it and you can be feeling totally healthy but the trigger and suddenly you feel flu again because the memory activated the state that your body was in at that time. So that physical change has to take time to be repaired. So the current system of mental health which says, oh, five questions or 15 questions or 15 minutes later you have the symptoms, you have clinical depression. No, you do not have clinical depression. What you have is an imbalance. Your body is telling you that your your body's discomfort zones are telling you that the frequency is off in your plasmid. Your cells can't vibrate properly. Your mitochondria can't work properly. Your genome is not working like it should. The DNA is not unfolding like it should because it's getting whacked by all this toxic energy. So what we have to do is to adding a drug just makes it worse, makes you more oh. damaged. So we have to access it and bring it up. So now when we do that, that's a spiritual work. We have to do spiritual work to fix up because we've got to fix as I said earlier on, we've got double memories of everything, one in the spiritual, one in the physical. So we're pretty good about being aware, getting into meditation. That's what's so popular. It's really, it's natural for us to get into those states. And But then the work of transformation, which is those other four steps of what I was teach, what I teach in my process, is active work that you have to do consistently daily over time to actually break down that toxic or change, which is then taking, because that energy's got a source, like quantum physics shows that there's a source and that source is supernatural and that's what keeps everything alive. And Bishop Barclay said 350 years ago, the only reason we're looking is because God is looking. And that's he's right. He's talking about. So there's a source We there. say that in shamanism okay, as well. Okay, the same thing. So you have to break that source down because that source is keeping that energy going through the toxic energy. So as you break down that toxic thought and reconceptualize, so you don't, eliminated from your life it's part of your story it's part of your suffering you re but you've reconceptualized you've redesigned it you've seen it from a different angle you've replaced it with a healthy way so you may still cry and be sad because it was a sad thing but you're managing now you've turned the toxic toxic tree has gone the source of toxic energy is gone and you've now turned it into a healthy dendrite with healthy computers which is producing healthy cell division but you're not in denial it's part of what you went through and that's when you can share from your pain and you can share from and help others so that tree becomes the source of life for others because it becomes the testimony to help others I don't know if that explains what I'm no absolutely and you know it's interesting because in shamanism we have this thing where we call it so we have this thing called black liquid red liquid and green liquid we also call it smoke because it looks like smoke when it comes out of the body so whenever someone is, most people think they're connected to their soul, which is God, which is the little boy, little girl inside that doesn't need anything because it, it resonates in a, a field of pure love. And all it's waiting for you to do is tell it what it can do. So, what, so the way we look at it in shamanism is that if God inside of you, if you're not connected to God inside of you, that is able, and you're not giving that God inside of you, it's... Um, 
understanding of what it's capable to do through you, then it will just sit there and wait for you and sit and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and and so forth. So the God inside of you is waiting for you to activate it to be able to do the things you want it to do. So for instance, for me, I communed to the God inside of me that I'm going, that it has the ability to make me walk. Mm. And then all of a sudden it started healing my legs. But it took me two years, it took me a while to get up to that point, to be able to to acknowledge because the spirits kept talking to me and saying, you need to look at that which you are within. And I kept hearing them saying it over and over and over. And I'm like, what are you, what do you mean? And then they say that which you are, what do you say you are? And then I was like, wait a second, you mean to tell me that there's a part of my being that is waiting for me to tell it what it can do and what it's capable of. And by giving that information, it's able to do it. And it said, yes. And so I was like, I can heal my legs. I can heal my legs. And so I started doing that. Incredible. And then that's how I got my legs to start you know, functioning and being able to walk and all of that. But the interesting thing about it was that when I wanted to do it for my kidney, because I had kidney failure, I couldn't do it. And the reason why was because I had a structure inside that was held by by the medical world that mm. you can't heal your kidneys. Mm. And so, I, so when I went to look at it, it looked like this giant tower of everyone's collective mm. consciousness saying it's impossible to do. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to be able to do it, I'm going to have to be able to have my consciousness be so strong, more so than that tower to be able to completely create a new possibility out of a lack of possibility or the limitation. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing um, for me, going back to you know what we we're talking about, is that in human in human beings, human beings operate in the field of most of their life is spent in survival mode, which is operating in the idea that I have to pay bills, I have to put food on the table, I have to have a shelter, I have to pay for the doctors, I have to do this, I have to do that. So all of these rules that this world creates gives them a tiny little bit of time to focus on that which is most important, which is them. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that and when you're a kid, you're not brought to earth and said, hi, welcome to planet earth. We're so happy to have you. What wisdom do you have to share with us? Let us set up um, all these different things that you can do and see which one connects with you the most. And we will support that 100% without any, you know, all your survival needs are taken care of. And we want you to take this time to, to discover who you are so you can bring that to our species so that we can grow and evolve. That would be the, uh, the great planet that we live on. Exactly. But we live on a planet that created a structure that makes you see yourself as a kid who doesn't have knowledge, who doesn't have wisdom, who is told by authority figures that this is what you have to do. And if you don't do it this way, you're not loved. And if you do it this way, you get in trouble. Even though some of their ideas or their structures are so completely out of alignment to love Mm -hmm. that they have no real uh, truth inside of them. So what happens is people grow up not really knowing themselves So they grow up learning about themselves through other people and grow up learning about how smart they are through tests that they take. They grow up learning about how to interact with other people based upon what other people have told them they're capable of doing. And all of that is communicating to the God within them. 
And so that, so if they tell themselves they're stupid, the God inside of them says, okay, fine, I will make you stupid. So consciousness then communicates to all, Mm -hmm. goes in, communicates to all your cells, to all your receptors, to every part of your body. All of a sudden your brain, we put you on an EKG and we look at your brain, we can see all of a sudden that your certain parts of your brain are not as functioning as they should because you, your, your, your spirit inside has now changed the consciousness to make it so that you're stupid. And this is why I tell people, opening your mouth and using words are so important how you're either creating or destroying. Exactly. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Because your words and your actions are represent are coming from what you've thought about first. So scientifically, we see that you can't say or do anything without first having built the thought. So the thought is the root that precedes the words and the actions. So your words and your actions, therefore, reflect what your thinking is, which reflects your thinking pattern. And if Can you, I high-five you for a second? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we, if we go from the premise, which is not even a premise, it's a fact that scientifically we wired for love or you know, optimism, bias in ourselves, and we don't have circuits in our brain for fear and toxicity and bitterness and all that stuff. We basically, if we go from that premise, then we know then that if we wire toxicity and we see that it causes brain damage and therefore we can rewire that because our brain is neuroplastic. So the brain just does what your mind tells it to do, which is what you've experienced, what you're helping your the people that you're teaching, you're helping them to experience that. So absolutely, your words are are going to be things that lock you in because they feed back. There's a feedback loop. But your words come from the thoughts. The thoughts are what we've spent time building. Right. And then that's generating the words and the actions. It's amazing because so, um, it's, it's really amazing. It's truly amazing. You know, the, there is a, um, a certain level of, you know, how we operate in our daily lives. And I tell people that if you operate in your daily life where you're constantly feeling aggressive attack from like your environment, from the lights you have in your home, from the uh, artwork you have in your home, to, to the messiness you have in your home, to the fact that you don't take time to create this balance inside of yourself, which you're constantly going out with, with your friends to dinner and they're talking and gossiping. And so that's also a aggressive attack to your system. All of these aggressive attacks tells your being that it's not safe. And so your being starts creating all of these toxins and serotoxins exactly. in the body. Do you agree with that? Oh, totally. That's exactly what whatever your mind is is perceiving, which is your thinking, feeling, and choosing, is becoming a physical reality inside your brain. And then we lock ourselves in with that if we don't catch it. And that's why I'm very hot on self-regulation. You'll see throughout all my work, I talk about we've got to live self-regulated lives. And we see from the brain research that we are actually able to self-regulate literally six times a minute every 10 seconds. So we designed as humans to be very aware of these labels, of what we're thinking, of our choices, of the impact on the environment, of what am I actually saying? Because what I'm saying is creating the next reality and it's coming from the thought. So I'm thinking that in order to say that. So totally agree with that. Totally. Wow. You know, uh, <laughs> I am so happy to have you in my life. Oh, I'm so happy to have, have you in my life and to meet you. This is so exciting. It's I'm, so exciting. I oh, am so excited. So tell us I hope about this is your. Not the first conversation. Oh no, so. it's not going to be. I'm going to bring you back on because we have so much more to talk we have about. So much more. So tell me, um, tell everyone about your book and how they can get and how can people get involved with you? How can they, how can they get into Dr. Carolyn Leaf's world? Okay, so, well, normal thing, I have a website, drleaf.com, and I have um, my Instagram handle, my social media handles, Dr. Caroline Leaf. If they go to my Instagram, you can get to the podcast, the TV show, to 
the books that you mental self-care tips or um, our social media is designed to empower and, and lift and teach you these principles. Um, I have lots of books and um, we've got the Switch app coming out and we've got some online programs. So they just, they can access all of that there. We, this year, we're doing a whole mental health initiative. What's the name of your podcast? It's Dr. Caroline Leaf. Oh, perfect. Yeah, everything's perfect. Dr. Caroline Leaf. So it's super easy to find all of it and the TV show and so on, YouTube show and so on. So that there's so much in there that's just all these things unpacked in different ways and we're speaking in the same language but just from a diff- using different semantics and different syntax and different ways of expressing it. Um, so yeah, they can get hold of me through drleaf.com. This book, Think, Learn, Succeed, my most recent book and that one basically has got three parts to it. The first part talks about they, uh, how important it is to understand the um, when we don't think properly the impact on our lives. So living in our current technological age, where we're so connected that we're disconnected, and you can't just gather information like pieces of puzzle, like a piece of a puzzle. You've got to take time to build the puzzle. I talk about mindsets, and I researched fifteen different mindsets over the years, with thirty years of clinical research and so on. And these mindsets are logical things like gratitude and happiness. And but I come at it from a different angle, not the traditional positive affirmation. I don't believe in all that stuff because it's much deeper. We're much deeper than just I can't just use a positive affirmation or a scripture like a magic potion. There's a con- there's a transformation. There's an understanding that has to happen. So I explain that with in the first part. The second part I talk about a tool that I developed called the gift profile, which I developed for my patients years ago and it's a big profile that took ages to you know long few hours to apply so I've simplified and put into different books and the one version's in this book called the gift profile which is a very simple questionnaire that goes beyond the IQ beyond the personality profile beyond the EQ SQ all those reductionistic materialistic yeah, I approaches can't stand those I hate them I can't stand them no, and it's a profile that basically helps you understand you it helps you understand the uniqueness your diversity there's no wrong answer there's no it just really gives you insight into how you think is this inside the book it's inside the book and so I can take this and find out what my gift thing you you can find out how you process information through the seven pillars of thought. So as you are processing information, you process information like you digest food and your digestive system has parts and you have to have all parts involved to digest the food. Thinking, when you think through something, you're using all the different parts, seven different types of thinking, seven neurological pillars. And basically, that's the sort of research behind it, the science behind it. And you can't just be one or the other. You are all seven. So no thought is complete until you've processed your all seven. It helps you understand how you learn, how you think, how do you keep in that self-regulated zone. And then the last part talks about memory, the five steps, how to build your memory, which is a very neglected part of mental health. We we get we pretty um, advanced when it comes to using um, awareness and um, self-help and stuff like that, even though we don't do it properly in this world today when it comes to mental health, um, even though there's a lot of suppression and labeling as we've discussed. But the other side that's been very neglected is we can improve our mental health through brain building. Our brain is designed to be used to grow. So when you learn information, this is so vital to your development as a human, that knowledge is out there. We should be learning. We should be thinking. We should be listening, listening to discussions like this, studying, really thinking it through. So the third part we are discuss the five steps. I discuss the importance of memory, of thinking deeply, of building your brain in terms of brain health. And basically what I advise people to do is that it's a program that I apply every day is I spend seven to 15 minutes a day detoxing my brain, dealing with an issue, going through it over the 63 days. And that's a life skill, lifelong process. And then I spend at least an hour or two a day building my brain. And those two parts kind of anchor me to lead a more self-regulated life so that the balance of the day as I'm going about my normal work 
and parenting and life duties and things that I well not duties life I don't like duties that's a terrible word um, but what I do um, is much more anchored once I've got my brain functioning like it should and my thinking and I'm whatever so I've really this stuff's come out of my own experience work with my own children and you know thousands of patients I'm doing currently doing clinical trials I work with a team of top neurosurgeons and neuroscientists and so really you know, dealing digging in the science and we're doing a non-pharmacological intervention for anxiety and depression to show people how to help themselves and how we can come alongside and to show the power and the resilience that you have inside of you all the things you talk about so I'm doing clinical trials because people listen to those kind of yes, things they people sure listen do. to science so we're doing all of that I'd love to join with you um, you know and, and get involved on a team of yours or something that because one of the things Absolutely. that, you know, one of the things that I'm really strong about is how do we, how do we merge? I talk about this in, in my book that comes out this year is how do we merge, you know, the allopathic and the holistic in a way that's functional, but yeah. also maintains the truth of each individual understanding, but bringing our knowledge and our aptitude together to create a total health and wellness yeah. from, a, from, from not just from a place of let us fix symptoms, let us dynamically restructure core. I love that. Christopher Fuchs, who I mentioned earlier on, the quantum physicist, he said it's not about you, it's about you in the world. Yes. And it's about going alongside. That's how we enhance the waves kind of thing. So totally, we definitely need to talk about how to connect. And yeah, I would love, love to, to show you something shamanically that you can see of things come from the invisible into the tangible and show you some really cool things and and, sounds, and get your feelings on them. And sounds, what, you know. sounds exciting. Yeah. And once again, that's one of the scriptural principles that they actually talk about the invisible becomes visible. So an invisible becoming visible. So it's such a life thing. It's not just in one area. We, we're all talking the same language. And I think that's what both of our um, goals, if I can assume, yes, of is, to, is to bring the language, not let language or, or ways of approaching life separate, but actually bring together as opposed to divide. Because at the end of the day, we actually all talking the same thing yes. from different angles. Yes, I, I call it the great relationship. Great relationship, I love that. Yeah, and and in shamanism, we we look at we see our we, when we're chosen as shamans, and the first thing we learn is that we're a bridge. And so from the moment we're chosen, we we know that. We are a bridge for spirit to come into the physical world. So we're here to bring the invisible to the tangible. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the, the, the focus of mine is connecting with people like you, people like my friend Dave Asprey, people you know, like Paul Hawken and different amazing people to come together, bring these doctors, these scientists together and being able to show them, okay, here's what your information is, which I'm learning from you, but I'd like to show you, I can learn from you. what yeah. we can show you. Exactly. And then you take that information and help us to go further. Yeah, that's, so, what, that's what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? Yes. Helping each other go further. Yes. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for being on today's share. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you. It was so much fun. It was so nice getting into these things like the nitty gritty. It's yes. like really, and that's just a bit, get, touch the tip of the iceberg, haven't we? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Thank you so much. Hey, tribe. I am super happy to share with you all that you can go to the Shaman School. It is my new Shaman School online where you can take classes, up-level yourself, upgrade your powers, learn everything from the basics of shamanism all the way up to more advanced levels where you're really accessing your powers. Because the thing is, Tribe, it's about putting the power back in your hands and we have to be ready for what's coming. And that means get everything you need to keep yourself lit and riding the lit train. You can go to www.theshamanschool.com. I look forward to sharing with you more informational tools that are going to change your life. I love you. Well, Tribe, 
here's 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 the plan okay the plan is go get her book that's the first plan right and get involved with and get into understanding your gift like you know do this 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 whole exercise get involved in what dr carolyn leaf's about because she's the real deal she's powerful and when i say real deal meaning for her doctor to be able to understand the logic and 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 simplification of what her knowledge is to bring it to the spiritual world and be able to make sense of the spiritual world through her information that's a humble person right that's a person who is saying you know what i'm a doctor but i'm not going to just sit here with my title and look at things from one viewpoint i'm going to open up the many pathways and if you all heard me say before a wise person is a person who sees many pathways and an unwise person only sees one and so it's important for us to be able to connect with doctors like this in the world who are opening up this level of conversation and opening up this ability to bring forth the spiritual and also the allopathic and bring together this beautiful symbiosis so that we can really understand how we can develop our species and thrive on planet earth so please go check out her book go to her instagram get involved in what she's doing she's a powerhouse i love her and i know you love her and we're so grateful to have her on ancient wisdom today and for those of you who are not following me yet on Instagram, you can do so at Shelman Dirk. If you want to level up your abilities, open up your, your intuition or be able to communicate to spirits on the other side or be able to create energy out of midair, such as fire or change and regulate your body temperature or whatever, uh, level up by taking my workshops. You can do that by going to shamandirk.com, sign up on my newsletter to get involved. I love you so much, tribe. We are living as a Liddy committee. We're bringing legacy. We're bringing new knowledge. We're opening up new pathways for conversation, for thought, for intellect, and for us to be able to create a better world for our families, for ourselves, and for future generations. Until next time, I'll see you later. Love you. Bye.